Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, True Blue, Chapter 6, and it's like one of my favorite parts of this book. I've read that book, Rick said with a slow smile, in Surgeon, Mexico. I couldn't afford to buy it, unfortunately, so I got it on loan from the library. It was published in 1914. A rare book indeed. She shifted uncomfortably. She hadn't meant to let that bit slip. She was still keeping secrets from him. She shouldn't have been able to afford that book on her government salary. Her father had given it to her last Christmas. That was another secret she was keeping, too. Her father's identity. And would you know Bronco Villa's real name? Yes, suddenly she knows. He was born Dorindo Areno, she said, the smile fade a little. He changed his name to Panco Villa, according to one source, because he was hunted by the authorities for killing a man who raped his younger sister. Put him on a path of lawlessness, but he fought all he fought all his life for Mexico that was free of foreign oppressions and a government that worked for the poor. He smiled appeared like you read Mexican history, he mused still smiled. Well yes, but the best of it's in Spanish, so I sub Studied very hard to learn to read it. She confessed. I like the colonial histories written by priests in the 16th century who sailed with the conquistadors. Spanish colonial history. He said she smiled. I also like to read about Juan Belmito and Manolo. His eyes aren't bullfighters. He explained. Well, yes. She said not the modern ones. I don't know anything about those. Found this book on Juan Belmito, his biography. I was so fascinated by it that I started reading about Joselito and the others who fought bulls in Spain at the beginning of the 20th century. They were so brave. Nothing but a kip and courage facing a bull that was twice their size. All muscles and all muscles and with horns so sharp. She clears up. It's not PC to talk about, I know. Yes, we mustn't mention blood sports. He chuckled. The old bullfighters were like soldiers who fought in the world wars, tough and courageous. I like World War Two history particularly in the North American, the North African theater of war. Her eyes opened was behind the lenses of her glasses. Ramal Patno Montegri Alexander, his lips fell. Yes, she laughed with some embarrassment. I'm a history major, she said. Took, took my degree in it. She didn't add that she came by her interest in military history quite naturally, but nor that her great her grandfather had been General George S. Patner Jr. personally. <laughs> had known General George S. Patton Jr. Per personally. Well, you have an associate degree in criminal justice, and you're going to night school working on your B.A. She blurred her hand. What's my shoe size? <laughs> Eleven. She cleared her throat. Sorry, I have a file on you, too. He leaned for his large dark eyes. I'll have to compile one on you, just to be fair. She didn't want to do that, but she just nodded. Maybe you can dig up too much, even if you tried. She kept her travel life very proudly. She said, I need to get back to work. I just wanted to be honest with you about my job. She said, I didn't want you to think I was being deliberately deceitful. He said, I never thought that. He walked her to the door. Uh, is the lieutenant still bringing you roses? He has to get him slapped himself for even asking the question. Uh, certainly not, she said firmly. That was just an apology for using bad language in front of me. He's a widower, he said as they reached the door. She paused and looked up at him. He was very close all of a sudden. She felt the heat from his body as her nostrils caught the faint, exotic 
exotic scent of the clone he used. It smelled very masculine and hurt. Well, out of the proximity, her head barely topped his shoulder. He was tall and powerfully built, and she had an almost overwhelming hunger to lay her head on that shoulder. Pressed close and bury her lips in the smooth tan throat. She caught her breath and stepped back quickly. She looked up into his searching eyes and stood very still, like a cat in the sights of a hunter. She couldn't even think of anything to say. Brick was feeling something similar. She smelled wildflowers today. Her skin was almost translucent, and he noticed that she wore little makeup. Her hair was caught up in a high ponytail, but he was certain that if she let it down, it would make a thick platinum curtain all the way to her waist. He wanted badly to loosen it and bury his mouth into it. He stepped back to Phyllis Runkle. Better get back to work, he said courtly. He was breathing heavily. His voice didn't sound natural. Yes, um... Me too, she said, red and flush, making her skin look even prettier. He started to open the door for her, but he paused. Someone told me that you like the firebird. She laughed nervously. Yes, very much. The orchestra is doing a tribute to this and Disky Friday night. He moved one shoulder. Shouldn't do this, but he couldn't help himself. I have two tickets. I was going to take Mom, but she's going to have to cater some cattlemen's meeting in Jacobsville, and she can't go. He took a breath, so I was wondering. Yes, she cleared her, she cleared her throat. I mean, if you were going to ask me, she blurted out embarrassed. Her nervousness lessened his. He smiled at her in a way he never had. She was a mouth sensuous, his dark eyes soft. Yes, I was going to ask you. Oh, she laughed self-consciously, tipped her chin up with his bent forefinger, and looked her in the soft building at six o'clock. We'll have dinner first. Her breath cut. Her heartbeat shook her t-shirt. Yes, she whispered breathlessly. His dark eyes were on her pretty boba mouth. It was slightly parted, showing her white teeth. He actually started bending toward it when his phone suddenly rang. He jerked back, laughing deeply at his own helplessness. Responsible. Get go to work, he said, but he grinned. Yes, sir, she started out the door. She looked back at him. I live in the Oak Street apartment, she said. Number 92, he smiled back. I don't remember. She left with obvious reluctance. It took him a minute to realize that his phone was still ringing. He was going to date a colleague, and the whole department would know. Well, what the hell? He muttered himself. He was really tired of going to concerts in the ballet alone. She was a pet, and she wouldn't be here long. Why shouldn't he have companionship? Gwen got back to her own office and leaned back against the door with a long sigh. She was trembling from the encounter with Rick, and so shocked at his invitation that she could barely get her breath back. He was going to date her. He wanted to take her out. She could barely believe it. While she was savoring the invitation, her cell phone rang. She noticed the number and opened it. Hi, Dad, she said, smiling. How's it going? Rough. Why don't you watch the news, Puddin? He asked with a laugh in his deep voice as he used his na her nickname for it. I do, she said. I'm really sorry. Sorry. Politicians should let the military handle military matters. Come, on, come up to D.C. and tell the Bodos that. Why can't you just say President of the United States? I'm in the military. We use abbreviations. I notice. How's it going with you? I've been working on a sensitive matter. I've been talking to your boss about it, he replied. And I told him that I don't like having you put on the firing line like this. She would. She could imagine the encounter. Her boss, while very nice, was also bullheaded as her father. It would have been a certain scene to see how it ended. And he told you, he said, that I could mind my own damn business, basically. He explained, more a lot like. I know this. Anyway, I hope you're packing and that the detective you're working with is awesome. We both are, but the general isn't a bad man. He won he's wanted for kidnapping. Well, 
Yes, he's desperate for money, but he didn't really hurt anybody. A man who could, a man was killed in his camp, he returned quickly. Yes, the general shot him for trying to assault Gracie Pendleton, she replied. He caught him in the act. Gracie was bruised and shaken, but he got to her just in time. The guy was one of the food test organization. There was a long pause. I didn't hear that part. Not many people have. He said, well, maybe he's not as bad as a man as I thought he was. We want him on our side. He has a son that he didn't know about. We're trying to get an entree into his camp to make a contact with him. It isn't easy. I know about that, Jerry Balls. He's your love. How's your love life? He teaches you learn. Actually, Sergeant Marquis just invited me to a symphony concert. <laughs> there is a long pause. He likes classical music. Yes, and the ballet. <laughs> and no smart remarks, if you please. I like classical music. But you hate ballet, she pointed out, and you think anybody who does is nuts. So I have a few interesting flaws, he conceded. He's also a military history buff. She had a World War II in North Africa. Ironic, he juggled. She smiled to herself. Yes, it is. It? <laughs> he drew a long breath. You coming home for Christmas? Of course. He agreed. She smiled. Especially this year. I'm glad. He bit off the words. That's been easy life. Larry's wife calls me every other night crying. Lindy will just, she said softly. It's just going to take time. She and Larry were married for ten years, and they didn't have children. That will make it harder for her, but she's strong. She'll manage. I hope so. There's a screaming sound as if he was getting up on her. His commanding officer got drunk and wrecked a bar up in Maryland while he was on R&R, he said. Larry's death wasn't his fault, she replied tersely. Any officer who goes into a Gilbert situation knows the risks and has to be willing to take them. I told him that. So, damn it. He cried. He cleared his throat, choked him back to us. I called up Reginald Langsley and told him to get that man some help before he becomes a statistic. He promised he would. General Langstein was fond of Larry, too. She said, well, I remember him at the funeral. Let's talk about something else. Okay, how do you feel about giving chickens the vote? He burst out laughing. Or we could decide where we're going to eat on Christmas Eve because I'm not spending my days off in the kitchen. She said, good thing we'll starve or die of carbon monoxide poisoning. He was like, I can cook. I just don't like to. If you used timers, we'd have food that didn't turn black before we got to eat it. He said, I can cook anything. He had it smugly. I remember, she said. Rick's mom is a great cook, she replied. She owns a restaurant. Great does. you should marry him. You never have to worry about cooking again. <laughs> he chuckles. It's just a date, Dad. Your first one in how many years? Stop that, she muttered. I date? You went to that laundromat with a guy who lived in your apartment building. That's not a date. It was fun. We had potato chips and discussed movies while our clothes got done. She replied, he shook his head. Pudding, you're hopeless. Thanks. I give up. I have to go. I've got a meeting with the Joint Chiefs in ten minutes. More war talk? More withdrawal talk, he said. There's a rumor that the Podol is going to offer me harsh job. You're kidding. That's why there's. That's what they're saying. Will you take it? She asked, excited. Watch the news and we'll find out. That would be great. I might be in a position to do something more useful, he said. But we'll see. I guess I'll do it if they ask me. Good for you. Say, do you ever see Grange? Grange, you mean the Pendleton's foreman? She asked disconcerted. Yes. Winslow Grange, he was in my last overseas command, he smiled. Had a real pig of an officer who sent him into harm's way underneath 
I'm to outstrength him with a battle plan that some kindergarten kid could have come up with. Grange tied him up, put him in the trunk of his car, and let the assault him so. He was invited to leave the army with an honorable discharge or be court-martialed. He left, but he came back to testify against his commanding officer, who was dishonorably discharged after a nasty trial. Good enough for him, she said coldly. I do agree. Anyway, once I was a friend of mine, I'd love to see him sometime. You might pass that along. We could also use someone like him in D.C. if he gets tired of horse poop. She wondered if she should tell her father what his buddy Grange was rumored to be doing right now. But that was probably a secret she should keep. It. Should keep. If I see him, I'll tell him. She promised. Take the care of yourself, okay? You're the only family I got. His deep boy was thick with emotion. Same here, she pled. I love you, Dad. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to say it out loud. He never did, but he loved her, so she did make a smart remark. I'll call you in a few days just to check in, okay? That's a deal. His aunt went over the receiver. Yes, I'm on my way. He told him. Gotta go over see you, kid. Bye, Dad. He hung up. She put the phone back in her pocket. Seemed to be a day for revelations. She had a beautiful little couture black dress with expensive black slingbacks and a frilly black shawl that she gotten in Madrid. She wore those for her date with Rick. And she let her hair down, brushing it until it was shiny, like a pale satin curtain down her back. She left her glasses off for once. It was she was if she wasn't driving, she didn't need them, and a symphony concert didn't really require perfect vision. Rick wore a dinner jacket and a black tie. His own hair was still in its elegant a ponytail but tied with a neat black ribbon he looked very sharp he stared at her with disconcerting interest when she opened the door taking in the nice fit of her dress with its modest round neckline and lacing him that hit just at mid-calf her pretty little feet were in strappy high heels that left just a hint of the space between her toes visible it was oddly sexy <laughs> you look very nice he said his eyes taken in her flush lovely complexion and her perfect mouth just dabbed with pale lipstick Thanks. So do you, she replied, laughing nervously. He produced a box from behind his back and handed it to her. So beautiful, so brilliant orchid, much like the ones she had back at her father's home, that the housekeeper faithfully missed each day. It's lovely, she explained. He raised one shoulder and smiled. So they wanted to give me one you wore around the wrist, but I explained that we weren't going to a dance, and I wanted one that pinned. I like this kind best. She took it out of the box and pinned it to her dress, smiling at the way it complimented the dark background. Thanks. <laughs> My pleasure. Shall we go? Yes. She grabbed her evening bag, closed the door, and locked it, and let him help her into his pickup truck. I should have something more elegant to drive than this, he muttered as he climbed in beside her. But I love trucks, he explained. My dad has one that he drives around our place when he's home. He went, well, maybe I'll get a nice car one day. Doesn't matter what you go in as long as it gets you to your destination, she pointed out. I even like Humvees, his eyebrows were. And where do you get to ride in those? She better look. Ah! I forgot your brother was in the military, he said. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring back sad memories for you. She drew a long breath. He died doing what he felt was important for his country. He replied, he was very patriotic, and spec ops was his life. His he died in a classified operation. She added, his commanding officer just went on a huge bender. He feels responsible. He ordered the excursion. His eyes, that's the sort of man I wouldn't mind serving under. He said, well, a man with a conscience who cares about his men. She smiled. My dad's like that, too. I mean, he's a man with a conscience. She said quietly. He didn't notice the slip. He reached out and touched her softly. I'm sorry for your loss, he said. I don't have siblings, but I wish I did. She managed to smile. Larry was a wonderful brother and a terrific husband. His wife is taking it hard. They don't have any kids. Tough. 
Jane out. It's going to be hard to get through Christmas, he said. Larry was not about it. He came home to Linda every year, and he would, he brought all sorts of foreign decorations with him. We've got plenty that he sent us. He moved closer. His big hands framed her face and lifted it. Her pale green eyes were swimming in tears. He bent helplessly. Softly kissed away his tears. Life was soft and painful, he whispered. But there are compensations. While he spoke, his chiseled mouth... Chiseled lips were moving against her eyelids, her nose, her cheeks. Finally, she held a breath in wild anticipation. His lips hovered just over her perfect bow of a mouth. She could feel his breath, taste its minty freshness, see the hard curve of his lips that filled her vision to the extent of everything else. She hung there at his mouth, her eyes half closed, her skin tingling from the warm strength of his hands, from her face, waiting, waiting. Waiting, he drew an unsteady breath and bent closer. Logic flying out the window at as a wildfire sent over her made him weak. Her mouth was perfect. He wanted to feel its softness under his lips, taste her. He was sure that she was going to be delicious. The sudden sound of a horn blowing righteously on the street behind them shocked him apart. He blinked as if he was under the influence of alcohol. She didn't see much calmer. She found more the person. I guess we should go, he said with a forced laugh. We want to have enough time to eat before the concert. Yes, she agreed. So he bumped. He had an honor. Oh, yes, I usually put it on at once, she added as she fumbled it in place. He laughed, securing his own. Her shy smile made him feel tall involuntary. His fingers linked with hers as he started the truck and pulled out into the traffic. He wouldn't even let himself think about how he'd gone in headfirst with a colleague against all his best instincts. He was too happy. They had a nice restaurant in San Antonio, one with flamenco theme and a live guitarist with a Spanish dancer and a beautiful red dress with puffy sleeves and the ruffled long-trimmed dress that was familiar to followers of the dance style. The performance was short, but the applause went on for a long time. The duet was impressive. What a treat, she said enthusiastically. They're so good. Yes, they are. Even. I love flamenco. So do I. I bought this old movie, Around the World in 80 Days. It had a guy named Jose Greco and his flamenco dance troupe in it. That's when I fell in love with flamenco. He was so talented. She said, I've seen tapes of Jose Greco dancing. He replied, he truly was phenomenal. My mother used to love Latin dances. She said, dream was mine. She could do them all. Is she still alive? He asked Carol fully. She hesitated. She said, we lost her when I was in my final year of high school. Dad was overseas and couldn't even come back for the funeral, so Larry and I had to do everything. Dad never got over it. He was just starting to when Larry died. Why couldn't your father come home? He asked curiously. He was involved in a classified mission. She said she held up a hand when he started to follow up with another question. Smiling less than stink. Sorry, but... He couldn't even tell me what he was doing. National security stuff. His eyebrows were, your dad's in the military. She hesitated, but it wouldn't hurt to agree. He was, but Rick would be thinking of a regular soldier, and her dad was far from regular. Yes, she replied. I see. You know, but I can't say any more. She told him, I guess not. Wouldn't want to take off the brass by saying something out of turn, right? Right, she had to fight a laugh. Her father was the brass, one of the highest ranking officers in the U.S. Army, in fact. The waiter who took their orders was back quickly with cups of hot coffee and the appetizer. Buffalo wings and french fries with cheese and chili dip. Rick tasted the wings and laughed. She so put it quickly back in. Hot. He exclaimed, I'm glad I'm wearing black. She said, if I had on a white dress, it would be... Red and white polka dotted when I finish eating. I wear most of my food. His eyes, his dark eyebrows are something me too. She laughed. I'm glad it's not just me. He tried again with the french fries. These are really good here. Taste. She let him place it at her lips. She went off the end inside. 
delicious. <laughs> they have wonderful food, including a really special barbecue sauce for the wings. Want to know where they got it? He asked his chief From your mother? She guessed he said, it seems that FBI senior agent John Blackhawk came in here to eat with his brother Killraven one night. John tasted their barbecue sauce, made a face, got up, walked into the kitchen, and proceeded to, proceeded to have words with the chef. You're kidding! I'm not. It didn't come to blows, but only because John put on a neighbor and showed the chef how to make a proper barbecue sauce. When the chef tasted it, so the story says, he asked which court in Blue Academy in Paris Mr. Blockhouse Cack had attended. Got the shock of his life when John named it. You see, he actually went to Paris and took courses. His new wife is one lucky woman. She'll never have to go into the kitchen unless she really wants to. I heard about them. She was like, that's one interesting family. <laughs> he munched a french fry down. I'd love to have kids. He said something. Big family to make up for what I never had. This person was better. Barbara is the best mother on the planet, but I wish I'd had brothers and sisters. You do at least still have a father living. She pointed out a father who's going to get the shock of his life when he's introduced to his grown-up son. He said, and I wonder if Ramirez has had any luck getting his sister-in-law to approach the general. As if the answer to the question, his cell phone rang vibrating. Checked the number, gave her a stunning glance, and got to speak. I'll be right back. I have to take this. She nodded. She liked this consideration for the other diners. He took the call outside on the street so that he wouldn't disturb other people with his conversation. He was back in less than five minutes. He said, Imagine that. He said, I don't know how crazy talk to the general. He wants to come to the board Monday morning for a little chat, as he put it. There I was like, progress, she said approvingly. He's like, yes, progress. He didn't add that he had misgivings and he was nervous as hell. He just finished eating. End of chapter six.